Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our first ever live show. We are here at the Pheasant Run Hills Resort, and again, first ever live show. Guys, this caps off a great off-season for us. We are in Canton. We went to pretty much lived in Bourbon A during training camp, and now we're here for a live show. Pretty neat, right? How about you, B? Yeah, I don't think I've slept since uh, Sunday, so I'm really looking forward to this and looking forward to tomorrow night as well. Nick? Oh, this is awesome. I mean, to be in front of, you know, fans here and then, like you said, captivating a, an, an awesome offseason. This is great. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's really been a slow build, but uh, especially with that Khalil Mack trade, and, and now it's just led perfectly right up into uh, Sunday night. You know, can't wait. Uh, it's, it's been a long time coming, and I really think the Bears are going to show out. Now, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit here because there are five microphones, four guys, a whole new setup here. I need to introduce us. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my Bears brothers here. I have Brandon Hazlett. That's me. Nicholas Moriano. <laughs> Hello. And Will Ingalls. The other Will. <laughs> he is other Will. So, tomorrow night, it's the big game, Bears, Packers, Sunday night football. Can Matt Nagy start his Chicago Bears tenure 1-0 against Green Bay and 1-0 in the 2018 season? We believe so, and we're going to tell you why in this podcast. So, Here's a rundown of our show just to let you know what to expect. We're going to have an in-depth discussion on both sides of the ball, both offense and defense, to give you the elements that are needed in order for the Bears to succeed tomorrow on Sunday night. And then we're going to explain who our X factors are and, of course, share some predictions along the way. And at the end of the show, if anyone here has some questions, feel free. We'll open the floor up for you guys. So, guys, let's get into it, and let's go ahead and begin the preview for the 197th meeting between the Bears and the Packers. And this is the 15th time that these two rivals have squared off in the season opener. And right now, in the 14 games prior, each team has seven wins. Now, I want to go ahead and preview, uh, start this preview, I should say, with the discussion on the Bears' defense. Because as big as a key, uh, the biggest key in this game, of course, as we know as Bears fans, stopping Aaron Rodgers. He is 16-4 against the Bears, but I don't need to tell you that. Uh, and then in the last game, last year, he was 18-26, four touchdowns. Granted, Mike Glennon, all those turnovers did not do anything to really help our case there. Um, but guys, regardless, the Bears need to find a way to slow down number 12. So my first question to start the show off is, how can we do it? What's the recipe? How do you limit Rodgers' impact? What is going to be Vic Fangio's game plan tomorrow night? And Brandon, I'm going to hand it over to you first. 
I think a big uh, recipe is going to be allowing the underneath passes because if you allow him to go deep and use his arm, he's really going to burn you that way, and you can't allow him to get time in the pocket either. Uh, so you've got to get consistent pass rush from different guys. But as a whole, there's got to be consistent pass rush from different guys, and we have to be able to allow the underneath passes because he's not going to be able to uh, burn us deep if we play guys deep. What about you, Nick? What would you like to add here? You know, I mean, Fangio needs to bring pressure. If you allow Aaron Rodgers to just have as much time in the pocket, he will pick apart any defense. It doesn't matter what it is. So he needs to bring pressure, and I like him doing that with DBs. We've seen Vic Fangio like to blitz the defensive backs. And, you know, that's just going to force quick throws when you have pressure. So that's going to be the big thing here. If you don't bring pressure, Rodgers is going to tear apart defense. And, Will, I'm going to hand it over to you now. Uh, anything you'd like to add further to this discussion? Yeah, for me, uh, stopping Aaron Rodgers, ironically, is going to be making sure that he is the one that has to beat the Bears each and every single play. For me, that means making the Packers one-dimensional. They've been successful with uh, Ty Montgomery over the past few meetings. He hasn't had uh, as big of a workload since that one matchup in 2016 at Soldier Field. He had 16 carries for like 120 yards. He hasn't had that workload since, but every single time uh, he's really towards the Bears. I want to say he averages about 10 yards a carry in the last four meetings combined. So it's absolutely key to make sure that that's not part of the Packers offense so that the entire onus of uh, the Packers offense is going to be on Aaron Rodgers. And that really plays into, like you guys said, getting that consistent pass rush. Khalil Mack's a great player. Leonard Floyd's a great player. but they're How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Even better at rushing the passer when they don't have to worry about setting the edge and stopping the run. Yeah, no, no doubt about it there, Will. So, guys, I want to know, at the end of the day, what would you consider a success in terms of handling Rodgers? Like how, he's going to make plays. I mean, that's a given. We've seen Aaron Rodgers do, you know, regardless if we put pressure on him or not, he's going to find a way to make plays. He's a great quarterback. But what would need to happen for Fangio's crew to, like, look themselves in the mirror at the end of the day and just say, you know, we did our part in this game to put our team in a position to go ahead and get this victory. And, Nick, I want you to go ahead and start this off. It's easy. The Bears need to create turnovers. Anytime you can get Aaron Rodgers off the field and get points off the board, for, for the Packers offense, that's going to make success happen. And a big thing, get off on third down. The Packers, when they're on third down, they need to get off the field. And when it's one to three yards short, uh, the, Bear, the Packers have a pretty good success rate of getting that first down. It's at 64%. Where the Bears need to get the Packers is third down from medium, four to seven yards. The success rate goes down to 38%. You get the Packers off the field, they don't score points. What about you, B? I really don't beat themselves. Uh, they have to really limit the penalties, and I think a big part of that, uh, especially highlight throughout the game, is when the game is in the balance. Don't allow to get beat and get holding on the or get defensive holding. And I'm kind of going to call out Prince of Mukamara there because he's had a habit of that lately. Uh, but when the game's on the line, don't beat yourselves. Take that momentum and take it, take it and run with it. What about you, Will? What uh, what would you consider success? Maybe in terms of like sack numbers, pressures, hurries, hits. You know, sack numbers can be a little bit deceiving at times. Uh, I think in terms of pressures, you want to get up around five, six pressures for sure, quarterback hits. You know, of course, you want to uh, translate as many of those into sacks as possible. But as long as you're getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that's when you've proven. I mean, it, it works against every single quarterback, you know, whether that's Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady. If you're getting them on the ground, 
consistently, even if the ball's in their hand or not. That's when you're really going to start disrupting it. For me, uh, when it comes to limiting their success, they need to, uh, the Packers need to be driving. If they're scoring, they need to be driving over 12, 12 play drives. And this kind of goes into what B was saying about making them take the underneath throws and, and taking advantage of underneath coverage. Uh, I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but it's all about making the offense take another snap because that opens you up to having mistakes because Aaron Rodgers doesn't make a ton of mistakes, but the rest of his the rest of his teammates do at times. I mean, you can talk about a lot of drops from Devontae Adams a few games ago. You know, you have an offensive line that is solid but at times lacks consistency. Those are the types of things that you're really going to make the Packers offense do by making them line up and take a lot of snaps to score. All right, so I think it's a – pretty much a given now that the pass rush is going to play a very vital role in this game. And the three big headliners for the Bears, of course, is going to be Mack, Leonard Floyd, and Akeem Hicks. And over the last two years, those guys have combined for 45 and a half sacks. But don't sleep on guys like Goldman, who just got himself a fresh extension there yesterday. Sam Acho, perhaps Aaron Lynch, maybe. We don't know what to expect from him at this point. We haven't seen him on the field. Um, but even the guys playing inside, Trevathan, Kwiatkowski, uh, Danny Trevathan as well, coming up through those A-gap blitzes. And Nick, you already mentioned the possibility of some corner blitzes, too, with guys like Bryce Callahan. So many possibilities. And earlier this week, Prince Mukamara said he expects Vic Fangio to have some tricks up his sleeve. So I want to know your thoughts a little bit more on the pass game. I want to look at some specific players here. And, Nick, I want to go to you first here about Khalil Mack. What should Bears fans expect from him in his first game? He's only been here a week. He's just getting into practice. But with someone which has a type of caliber that he possesses, he should be able to find a way to make an impact, right? Yeah, Mac's going to bring it. I, it doesn't matter how long he's been here. His job is to get the quarterback, and he's going to get Aaron Rodgers. They're going to ask him, um, you know, get to him however way he can do that. It's not like he's going to be dropping back into coverage. He doesn't even know this playbook yet. So his main job, get to Aaron Rodgers, disrupt him. Doesn't, again, he doesn't have to get the sacks. If he gets Rodgers off his game, that plays a huge impact in how this Packers offense is going to run. So if Khalil Mack's just there, just in his ear, Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a huge impact for the Bears' defense. And, Will, over to you. I want to talk about Leonard Floyd here. He's going to be playing with the club, and I know you play you know, football at August Canada College, and you're a linebacker. I know it's a little bit of a different position, but what kind of you know, concerns do you have about him playing with the club, if you have any at all? Um, there are definitely some concerns, especially from a pass rush standpoint. Um, the biggest weapon you have is at an outside linebacker spot when you're rushing the passer is definitely going to be your hands. Um, and, the, and it's really unfortunate because when we were at uh, training camp, I really saw Floyd develop a lot of push-pull moves, really working on his hand fighting. It's no longer just a speed rush with a dip and rip. He's really developed that, uh, that pass rush game to include a lot of moves with it as well. And like I said, that push-pull was the most prevalent that I saw. Um, I think that is a slight concern. But uh, now that you have uh, now that you have Mack and uh, Hicks taking some of that pressure off, there's going to be a lot of one-on-one situations. I think Floyd will be able to get home a little bit, even if his uh, pass rush moves might be mitigated a little bit with that club. And Brandon, over to you. I know you're Mr. Trenches on this podcast. So who are some of these underrated guys, and what do you expect from them come tomorrow night? We've talked about the addition of Cleo Mack and how he's going to obviously improve everybody else on the defense, including Leonard Floyd. But going at the defensive line, we know that's going to free up Akeem Hicks because now they got a really concerned one side of the line with Cleo Mack. Now you open up the other side to Akeem Hicks. I mean, I expect him to have a big game. I expect Eddie Goldman, spoiler alert, is going to be my X factor. I'll tell you why when we get there. Uh, but also, look at guys like John Bullard and Roy Robertson-Harris who are going to get some consistent rotation time. Those are guys that are going to be able to get freed up because now there's just so many other pass rushers that you're going to get so many more one-on-one advantages. Don't sleep on John Bullard or Roy Robertson-Harris either to make an impact in this one. All right, guys, I want to go ahead and transition over to the Bears' secondary. You know, like with the additions of uh, Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack, 
I think some of the attention has been kind of taken away from the Bears secondary, which was a strength of this defense a year ago. But this, let's not forget just how well they did play because even though they, they didn't get a ton of interceptions, uh, they also didn't get burned all too often. You know, they ended last season with a 12-game streak, not allowing a single wide receiver to score uh, more than one touchdown in them on them in a game. And the Packers don't have Jordy Nelson. Uh, who, of course, was the last receiver against the Bears. Actually scored two touchdowns in a game, so thank God uh, he's not here anymore to kind of do what he's done over the past decade against us. But I want to know, like, what receivers, um, of course, you also have the new tight ends that they brought in as well, and we can talk about those in a moment, but uh, which wide receivers are you going to be keying in on? And overall, how well do you feel, feel that the Bears secondary uh, kind of matches up here? And, Will, I want you to begin this one. You know what, uh, to draw a parallel, Geronimo Allison's the guy that I'm going to look at as far as an underrated receiver. Uh, if you're looking for a comparison, he's kind of the Josh Bellamy of, of the Packers. And not exactly from the special teams prowess, but the way that he does everything right except catch the dog on ball. Um, he's really athletic. He really knows how to find the soft spot in the zone. Um, and while, you know, catching might be a problem for him at times, which is a pretty big bugaboo as a wide receiver, um, you do still have to worry about him because uh, Josh Bellamy's not a guy that I would want to let just run free because, you know, he still can burn you. He's still a talented player. He just doesn't convert all of his targets. So Geronimo Allison's one of those guys that could possibly be uh, under, ra under the radar and slip through and still have a big impact if the Bears don't pay attention to him. Well, what about you, B? One of the, uh, the receiver that I'm looking at is Randall Cobb because I think he's moved up to number one on the depth chart. So that's a big role change for him. And he's also been the, the most consistent as far as receiving yards against the Bears. Last year he had 44 yards receiving in the first matchup and 52 in the second matchup. So I want to know how big is he going to step up and be that number one guy that Rodgers can count on? Because in the past he's been able to burn us from time to time. But he's going up against Kyle Fuller who, I'll say it, I think he's going to be a lockdown corner in this one, especially against Randall Cobb. I've got total confidence in that matchup. But I'm really interested to see how he's going to uh, – uh, take advantage, I guess, of other guys out there if they leave him on one-on-one -on -one with Cal Fuller. Put Brandon in front of a live audience, and he gets a little bit more confident. I like this. <laughs> I like this. Let's go over to Nick. What receivers are on your uh, kind of radar here? Oh, it's easy. It's Devontae Adams. That's the guy that they paid in the offseason. He's making big money to make big plays for the Packers. Uh, he was targeted 23 times in the red zone, and 17 of those times came from 11 to 20 yards out. So right when they're getting in the red zone, Aaron Rodgers is looking for Devontae Adams to make a play to give them a score. So the Bears need to be, uh, you know, just know where he's at at all times. He, he burned the Bears last year in that matchup at Soldier Field. It was when Aaron Rodgers extends a play, finds Devontae Adams, Kyle Fuller was in coverage, and he was almost there to make a play. But again, Adams is in the end zone, Packers score. So that's the big guy that they need to make sure they, they can contain best as possible. All right, so I have a couple notes here on Adams as well that uh, kind of worries me a little bit. He did score a touchdown in each game against the Bears a year ago, and he has four scores in the last three games against us. So he's someone who has, you know, made a living scoring touchdowns against the Bears secondary. Hopefully with, with him being the guy and more attention on him instead of him flying under the radar behind, like, a Jordy Nelson, hopefully we can turn things around there. But, yes, the Bears secondary – uh, they were seventh last year, only allowing 211 yards for the year. So I think with an improved pass rush with the Khalil Mack, should definitely open the door here for the secondary to take some more chances. But I want to transition over to the tight ends because they brought in both Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. And Graham, he had 57 catches and 10 touchdowns a year ago. And Graham's a red zone beast. He led the NFL with 26 red zone targets. And all 10 of those touchdowns came and they're inside the 20, which also led the league. Uh, so obviously that's someone who Aaron Rodgers can fully utilize in what I'll call the money zone. So guys, 
How do the Bears stop Graham? And more importantly, can they? Let's go to Nick. Yeah, so that's going to be a whole team effort. I mean, being six foot seven, he can just use his body and just box out people like a basketball. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Football player, which he was um, before playing football. So Jimmy Graham is going to be, uh, you know, just a handful for this Bears defense. But it's going to take, whether it's Adrian Amos or if it's Dan Trevathan in coverage on him, it's going to be being sound in their coverage. And, you know, that Bears defense, it, it's got that chemistry. So they're going to have to know where uh, Jimmy Graham is at all times. And, again, you can throw that fade route to him. That's what I bet Aaron Rodgers and his Packers offense wants to do with Jimmy Graham. So just making sure you're, you're sounding your assignments and just checking him off the line. Don't let this guy get a free release because if you get that head full of steam with Jimmy Graham, you're asking for bad things to happen. Well, what's the game plan? How do you stop him? I know you play linebacker, uh, but what's the plan? What's Vic Fangio going to do here? Well, for me, uh, especially when you're getting into that red zone area, uh, I, I play a little bit of zone uh, both underneath and over top. So you're talking, you mentioned both the names that I'm going to bring up here, Adrian Amos and Danny Trevathan. They have to have a really good communication because the underneath coverage is going to be provided by Danny Trevathan going uh, up on the initial part of the route. But Adrian Amos is also going to have to be willing to uh, pass that off and take up the over the top when he's going off on that seam. And it's really important for Trevathan to have that communication with Amos because he's going to have to pass him off and then take over the underneath coverage. Uh, Fangio's a guy who likes to run uh, too high sometimes, at the very least single high. And that single high is going to be there for the exact routes that Jimmy Graham is going to run. And, of course, underneath, uh, you're going to have guys like Devonta Adams and Randall Cobb working that underneath stuff. So Trevathan and Amos are my keys here, and they have to have really good communication throughout uh, in order to stop Graham in the money zone, as you call it. As I call it. All right, so I also want to note here that, uh, you know, Jimmy Graham, best red zone target in the NFL last year. Well, Devontae Adams for the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers missing nine games, he was the third best red zone target in the NFL. And now, of course, Rodgers comes back. Now he has two really strong threats down there. If you want to add Mercedes Lewis, uh, the other tight end who he was uh, the leading red zone target for the Jacksonville Jaguars a year ago as well, he has three strong red zone targets. But the Bears' defense you know, last year was a lot of bend, don't break. And they didn't break a lot. They were the 10th best defense at keeping opponents out of the end zone once they reached the red zone, forcing them to settle for field goals. So, guys, I want to know, and I'll go to Brandon here first. Do you see improvement in the red zone with this defense with another year to gel? Uh, and, of course, uh, you have guys like Roquan Smith who can cover sideline to sideline and Khalil Mack who should be able to dial up the pressure down in this constricted field. Yeah, I mean, I slightly see some improvement here. Because, uh, like you said, with the athleticism, with the smarts, there's a lot more of that added to this defense as it is. The continuity on top of what we already have, these guys know how to communicate with each other. Uh, but those, those tight ends, I mean, this is the one matchup that I don't like throughout the entirety of the game is the Packers tight ends against this defense. I think the athleticism is there to be able to do it, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a, a team effort to stop these guys in the money zone. What about you, Nick? Anything you want to add? You know, I mean, I do see improvement, um, especially in the red zone. This, again, is a defense that has been playing, you know, for three years now together, and they're just gaining that, that chemistry, that continuity. But the big thing um, with having more pressure, it won't allow for those more complex, longer routes to develop. So you're asking Roquan Smith, maybe Khalil Mack, you know, these guys just get the pressure so then those routes don't develop. But the big thing the Bears need to be cautious of, especially in the red zone with the Packers, 
they love to run those pick routes where you have maybe the outside guy running a slant, the outside guy running an out, and then just have that natural kind of pick. So that's something that the Bears need to work on because they did get burned for that in the first meeting in Lambeau last year. So those pick routes are going to be huge, especially in the red zone. All right. Will, anything further? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, when you talk about improving the red zone defense from last year to this year, I really like a guy uh, like Roquan Smith because he's, when you're in the red zone, that your, your space to work is already shrunk down already. And you have a guy who covers space like Roquan Smith. That window and that time is, has been cut down significantly when you have a player like him on the field. So when you talk about those pick routes and some of those timing plays, uh, number one play to run on the goal line as much as people like to throw the, throw the fade ball to guys like Jimmy Graham, uh, Julio Jones, and so on, the number one route's still going to be a slant route down there. When you have a guy like Roquan Smith who can read and react and get out to that slant route and cut it off faster than uh, Nick Kwiatkowski or even Danny Trevathan, uh, you're, you're going to have a much better overall uh, red zone defense. So that's one piece I'd really like to watch throughout this game as it develops. Good stuff there, guys. Let's go in transition, and let's look into Green Bay's running game. You know, they're going to rely on primarily two backs here because uh, they have Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery because Aaron Jones, their typical would-be starter, is suspended. Uh, in the prior meeting, Montgomery and Williams combined for 110 yards against our defense, um, but that was with Nick Kwiatkowski and Christian Jones starting at inside linebacker. Now, obviously, we're still going to see some Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, not to, uh, what, to Will's disdain, I guess I should say there. Um, but we're going to have Danny Trevathan by his side. And again, Roquan Smith should be subbed in this game as well from time to time. And I also want to mention, don't underestimate the impact that Khalil Mack's going to have in the Bears' run defense as well. Uh, so additionally, I want to one more point here. Both Montgomery uh, with a foot and Williams with an ankle have dealt with some injuries throughout this preseason. So who knows if they are truly 100%. So all things considered, I want to know where's your confidence level in the Bears' defense to limit the Packers' rushing attack. And let's go to B. Yeah, this is the one matchup that I really like, uh, mostly because everyone's healthy, first of all, because, Will, you brought up, we, you know, last year we were playing Nick Kwiatkowski and Christian Jones out there. Uh, so still Nick Kwiatkowski shade being thrown in there a little bit. Uh, but I like the, the uh, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith duo there a lot better. The health's going to be a big thing, especially with Eddie Goldman up the middle there as well. And you brought up Khalil Mack and his run smarts. You brought up that stat uh, when we signed him. I forget what the percentage was of how good of a, a run stopper he is, that analytics stack that I don't always pay attention to. It's damn good, Brandon. Damn good. <laughs> yes, very, very, very good. So oh, this is the one matchup that I'm very, very confident in. I think the Bears, especially if they keep this number one priority like they did last year, I think this is going to be one area that they really shut down. Nick, are you in agreement? Oh, yeah, for sure. And in, in that game at Soldier Field last year, Jamal Williams uh, had 67 yards. Montgomery had 54 yards. I th think he had a 50-yard uh, touchdown run. But, again, you had those backup linebackers playing. And also, you have, to, you have to think that the Packers' offensive line, they were able to get to the second level and block those linebackers. I don't know if that's going to happen in this matchup. And it was, very, it was rainy. So a lot of missed tackles. And that you know, equated to the Packers getting a good amount of yards on the ground. So... I just don't see that happening. Again, you have Akeem Hicks with a Khalil Mack on the same side. This run defense is going to be a lot better come this time around. All right, Will. So they express some confidence, but how do you get it done? How do you stop Green Bay on the ground? Well, they've brought up a lot of the points already here. It's making sure uh, from the defensive linemen that the, that the linebackers are able to play free, and that's really key in a 3-4, especially out of a guy like Eddie Goldman. Uh, making sure that you're taking up two guys is what normally a nose tackle will have to do in a 3-4. Um, really the onus here for me is going to be on Roy Robinson-Harris and uh, John Bullard. Those are going to be the two, the two main guys that are swapping in. I think that's going to be a point of emphasis in the Packers' run game is that they're going to try to attack that side of the ball and try to exploit that as much as they can. I think that's going to be a place where they think that they can get maybe a little chip help from uh, Jimmy Graham or uh, 
Mercedes Lewis uh, and then try to chip off to a linebacker from there if they're really going to try to stretch. And that's a play, and that's kind of a zone where Ty Montgomery's been successful in the past. Um, so it's really going to be up front making sure that they are uh, maintaining their gap responsibilities because it's 100 times easier to play linebacker when the gaps that you are initially starting with the play stay the same. When you have to adjust on the fly, that's when things start to get a little hairy right away. So my key and how you get it done is you make sure that you are maintaining your gaps and holding your water up front. All right, guys, so I want to know, say they do shut down the run, uh, for, at least for the most part, does making Green Bay you know, one-dimensional actually benefit the defense because that's going to, in essence, put the ball directly in Aaron Rodgers' hands, which is a hand that has torched us from you know, time to time. And, again, I believe that's in the past, hopefully, at least for the most part. But, guys, I want to know, is that actually a good strategy here, Nick? Oh, I mean, well, the game is always in Rodgers' hands when you think about it. That team goes wherever Rodgers takes them. But, hell, yeah, it's a benefit. I mean, when you think about it, that's one less thing to really worry about. And if the Packers are able to have a, some kind of run game come Sunday, Again, this Packers defense has to bring more in the box. You're allowing Rodgers to have easier throwing lanes and just having one-on-one -on -one matchups. I think the Bears' success, they need to be able to stop the run and keep them one-dimensional. I think you listened to my three keys to the game yesterday because that was one of them, is keeping them one-dimensional because, like you said, if we can stop the run, we can sit back in coverage, we can start bringing in a little bit more pass rush, but if they start carving up big chunks on the ground, the Bears defense is going to start loading the box, and they're going to start over-pursuing on perhaps a play fake. And if you give Rodgers just a slight hesitation in your coverage and give him just a slight window, that's all he needs to find a way to get the football in there. Uh, Brandon, I, I know you're a big you know, person who is always behind stopping the run, and that's something that you've been uh, kind of bringing up on this podcast throughout the preseason. Uh, are you in agreement here? I am, uh, but I... Don't want to get beat by Aaron Rodgers, so yes and no, it's a benefit. Uh, but if I guess if we're going to get beat by anybody, I'd rather be by Rodgers. So yeah, I'm in agreement that this is a, a good strategy to follow. All right, guys, I want to get into our next segment here, and I want to know when it comes down to it on defense, who's going to be the X factor, and pretty much the X factor for those listening who maybe don't know about the podcast yet. That's the player who kind of like makes or breaks the success for either side of the ball. So for the defense, guys, I want to know who's your defensive X factor, and Will, you're up. I'm going to take James Trevathan here. Um, he's a guy who is kind of the heart and soul and leader of this, uh, of this defense overall. Um, he's a guy who not only has to be responsible for, uh, for maintaining gaps and, uh, and ma making sure that, like I said, if all the defensive linemen are doing their job and clogging holes, well, he's got to be the guy who shoots those gaps and makes the tackle. Not only that, but like I said, he's the heart and soul and leader of this defense. He has to be the one who's making sure that they're not too high on the high, not too low on the lows whether that's going to be uh, if, if they do score, you know, he has to be able to bring, you know, some of these young pieces like a Roquan Smith and maybe even a Khalil Mack who's, like, not quite used to the atmosphere here yet. He's got to make sure that this entire team is staying, you know, emotionally focused as well as focused on uh, making sure they get the stop the next drive. So, overall, Dan Trevathan's my guy who's got to step up and be the X Factor here. Nick, you were shaking your head because I believe Will peeked at your notes. Yeah, I have uh, Dan Trevathan here. So, you know what, I'll switch it. I'll say Khalil Mack. Look, they brought him here for a reason, and I just took yours, didn't I? You did. Awesome. This is going great. But, yeah, Khalil Mack, he, he brought here for one reason, get to the quarterback. If he can disrupt Aaron Rodgers, this changed the entirety of the game. Look, he's coming out. He had a collarbone injury, broke it last season. This is his first game since playing in Week 15 against the Panthers where he threw three interceptions, was sacked three times. He wasn't the same. And that was because pressure was brought on Aaron Rodgers, and he wasn't able to throw uh, as effectively. So, Khalil Mack can get to Rodgers, just get in his head, just be around there, that's going to be huge for the game moving forward because I think the Bears will be up early in this one and the pass rush is going to just take over. 
Yeah, well, I'm just going to talk more about Khalil Mack because Mack is also going to be my X factor. And you've mentioned a lot of it, but if he's able to play at least 80% of his capability in this game, he's still going to give this Bears defense a huge boost because it changes the way uh, that the Packers have to game plan, and he's going to be disruptive you know, when we need him. Khalil Mack, he makes the other 10 guys around him better, and that's the definition of X factor. And you know, even if he's unable to play much, which, you know, I doubt. I think he's going to be ready to go for at least for the most part. They say pitch count, but I think they're going to want him out there on the field. Uh, I think when he's not on the field, the Bears are going to miss him dearly already because then you're kind of thrown into what? Aaron Lynch, Sam Acho. It's not pretty after behind Mack. That's why they brought Mack in. That's why Ryan Pace made the move to bring in Khalil Mack. So even though it's week one, he's already going to be my X factor on defense. And B, that leaves you. All right, so I'm going to circle back to my spoiler alert that I gave earlier that it is Eddie Goldman, but this is going to lead to another spoiler alert uh, for who has the edge here in a second. Uh, but it, it's, it's Eddie Goldman because, like Will said, if he's going to, he's got to be the guy that takes up two offensive linemen in the run game. And that's going to be huge because then where are the running backs going to go when you have Cleo Mack on one end, Leonard Floyd on the other, Eddie Goldman up the middle? I mean, there's really not much daylight. So, and if he can bring additional pass rush as well up the middle, I mean, Eddie Goldman is really going to be the success as far as shutting down the run game and putting the game in Aaron Rodgers' hands. All right, so before B just spoils the entire show here, uh, and before we find out who does have the edge in some specific categories, I want to open it up the floor to you guys because, you know, I've been dictating this conversation, um, but is there anything that perhaps we haven't mentioned about this Bears defense or the Packers offense that you want to make sure our listeners both here on YouTube, our podcast, and, of course, all these live people here in front of us uh, that you want them to know heading into tomorrow night's game? Let's go back to Brandon. Yeah, we didn't talk much about the safeties at all, and this is going to be huge for them to be able to play center field and be also be able to come up in the run because I'll save the spoiler alert there, but uh, they'll be able to provide some run defense as well. Uh, so it's really important that these guys are on top of their game as well and are able to communicate with the linebackers in front of them. So I think that they play just as important of a role as a Cleo Mack or Akeem Hicks or Leonard Floyd in this one. What about you, Nick? You know, a big thing that the Bears can't let happen on Sunday night is – Aaron Rodgers running for first downs. He's a, he's a mobile QB. When the pressure's there, he knows where to escape from. And it's demoralizing as a defense. Maybe it's a third and seven, third and medium. And you see Aaron Rodgers just run for a first down, extend that drive, keep that Packers offense on the field. They need to contain Rodgers and not let him beat him with their feet. You, obviously, he's going to do it with his arm. Don't let him do it with his feet. So that's going to be very important come Sunday night. Will, over to you. And I'm going to go right off of what Nick said there. And I think the key to stopping that, and I honestly think this is probably a little bit of their game plan, is I'm thinking Roquan Smith is actually going to play a little spy work here on Aaron Rodgers, especially on those third downs that Rodgers has really proven to be successful on extending plays and, and, and moving the chains with his legs. So Roquan Smith, I think, is going, to have a, is going to have a much bigger role than I think a lot of us have kind of expected. The Cleo Mack trade really put uh, Roquan Smith in kind of the shadows as far as coverage is concerned uh, leading into this first game. But I really think he's going to have a bigger role than any of us expect. Well, you guys talked about moving the chains, uh, and for me, I always leave one last thing to just kind of bring in here. And mine, I always pay attention to third down. Last year, the Packers had the 13th best third down conversion rate, despite Aaron Rodgers missing those nine games. On the flip side, the Bears' defense was ranked 20th in this category, as they did uh, you know, a good amount of what we said earlier, bending uh, one defense. So do I think the Bears' defense is actually going to improve upon this number this season? Absolutely. I mean, the pieces are in place. We've seen it throughout this offseason. Cleo Mack, Roquan Smith, plus the other 10 starters who are returning have another offseason to gel. I just believe that's going to be huge for this uh, as they understand the system even deeper than they did a year ago. Chicago's defense is going to want to get off the field, uh, which in turn gets Aaron Rodgers off the field, which is exactly what we want. So for me, 
how well the Bears defense can play on third down is vital. They can't allow too many extended drives for Rodgers, or as we know all too often, he will make you pay. But guys, it's time to find out who has the edge here. And Will, I'm going to go to you first. I'm going to give you the Packers offensive line versus that newly revamped Bears pass rush. And it's really key that you say revamped there. If you would have asked me this question two weeks ago, this edge goes to the Packers without question. Um, but now, you know, two weeks have passed, and only the best pass rush in the NFL now plays for the Chicago Bears. So edge of this one is going to go to the Bears pass rush. I'm really confident in their ability to get after Rodgers. And more ways than one, it's not just going to be pushing up the middle by uh, Eddie Goldman and maybe a blitz by James Trevathan and Roquan Smith. It's also going to be from the edges with the speed rush from Floyd and also the balance of speed and power from Khalil Mack. Got to get the edge to the Bears here. All right, Mr. Trenches, over to you. I'm going to give you the Packers run game and Bears run defense, and please tell me you didn't spoil the entire thing. No, not quite. But could you just imagine lining up on offense and looking at Khalil Mack on one side, Eddie Goldman in the middle, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith up the middle, Leonard Floyd and Akeem Hicks on the other side, on top of two very good run-defending safeties, Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos barreling down on either side. I don't know about you guys, but where is he going to run? I give it to the Bears' running defense in this one. Don't forget, Kyle Fuller is really good in run sport as well. Yeah, underrated. So I guess we're going for Prince Mukamara. That's, that's the only weakness we have. <laughs> but uh, all right, Nick, I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, speaking of that Bears secondary, you have them versus the Packers' passing attack. Yeah, so this I will give to the Packers. Um, and just for the mere fact that they do have Aaron Rodgers, he's going to make plays. He's going to get his receivers the ball. But I do like the matchups in that one. Kyle Fuller, you know, Devontae Adams, that's going to be a good one. Prince Mukamura, Geronimo, Allison, I like that. But it's that where they bring in the tight end, Jimmy Graham, Adrian Amos, and Dan Trevathan on him. That's going to be interesting to watch. But I just have to give it to the Packers, uh, you know, attack, pass attack just because Aaron Rodgers is the QB. That's unfortunate, but I understand. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up our discussion on the Bears defense and Packers offense. Now, before we turn to the tables, uh, flip the script, and talk about Matt Nagy's offense being unveiled on the national stage tomorrow night, I'm going to call a quick timeout because, Will, uh, one of the vendors here at the Man Cave Show, which we're hosting this right now at the Pheasant Run Mega Center, well, Pheasant Run Resort Mega Center. I was getting some stairs in the back. I had to make sure I correct myself. Uh, asked us to plug this little awesome poster here, so hold it up for everybody to see. And... Uh, Will, can you tell them where to get that awesome Bear Down song poster? Yeah, not a problem. So uh, this, uh, this is from our friends over here at uh, Marquee Popcorn that are, that's right over here um, to our right, your guys' left. Um, not only them, but uh, a lot of people here have a lot of awesome uh, Bears memorabilia and stuff to look at. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to walk around here and get a look at all the awesome Bears memorabilia, along with uh, a lot of cool arcade games, neon signs, uh, go ahead, look around. There's a lot of cool stuff, uh, a lot of awesome stuff to add to your Bears cave. We have another announcement coming up. And they're open tomorrow at 9.30 to 4. So if you missed out today, make sure to come tomorrow. Check out all the awesome stuff. No, it really is cool. I can't wait. Like I was uh, telling the guys, I was like, guys, I can't wait. And they're like, for the show, I know. I'm like, no, I want to play these arcade games afterwards. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, we're only halfway done. So let's get back into it and let's begin the conversation on the Bears offense. And let's begin with the man that it all comes back to. And that, of course, being the second-year quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, who's going to be making his 13th professional start. He has a brand-new system. He's surrounded by brand-new coaches and playmakers. Ryan Pace, he put in a ton of work this offseason to put his franchise quarterback in a position to succeed. And now in his one lone start against Green Bay, Trubisky finished 21-35. of He had nearly 300 yards and a score. He had a 97 passer rating. And that's with, what, Josh Bellamy being your leading receiver? So obviously things are going to be... Uh, 
I would say easier actually heading into this matchup for Trubisky. And I wanted to say, you know, confidently that I'm unsure exactly what the offense is going to do. And I believe Green Bay heading into tomorrow night is feeling the same exact way. We might have saw some glimpses throughout preseason, throughout training camp, but 90% of this offense has been kind of like hiding under the wraps. And tomorrow, the curtain kind of gets pulled and we finally get to see the wizard at work, that being Matt Nagy. And I'm going to go over to Nick and uh, what do you expect from the offense and, of course, Trubisky. Yeah, you said it right. We're really, we really don't know what this offense is going to be because they've hidden a lot of it. But I expect to see a lot of moving parts, whether it's with motion, RPOs, Trey Burton split out wide. You have Taylor Gabriel on the field with Tariq Cohen, Cohen with Jordan Howard. Allen Robinson is also flexible. So you're going to see a lot of moving parts in this offense. And as for Trubisky, I expect him to be a lot more poised this season than he was last season, especially in that matchup last year with the Packers. He took some bad sacks at Soldier Field. He really did. But whatever he decides to do, whether it's maybe run to avoid pressure, just be decisive with it. And that's what you need from uh, you know, a second-year quarterback in a system that caters to his strengths. So Mitch Trubisky, I expect him to be a lot more poised in this matchup. Even though it's you know, under the lights, in Lambeau Field, against your division rival, I, I expect him to do some big things. Brandon, how about you? Do you have anything you want to add here about what you expect or don't know what to expect about this offense? I expect to see a lot more aggressiveness uh, than we've seen in this offense throughout the past for obvious reasons, new coaching staff. Uh, but one thing that you know, I think we've seen throughout the entirety of the offseason is really just the base formations and base packages that we're going to see. I'm expecting some off-the-wall things a little bit from this offense. Like I still can't get over that we've seen Kevin White line up as a fullback at one point in the preseason. Like I think we're going to see some off-the-wall things like that. And I think that uh, we're going to continue to play to Trubisky's strengths to kind of answer this question because he's, we know that he's good throwing on the run. I expect that to be something that's incorporated in this, uh, uh, this game plan uh, here tomorrow night. All right, so Will, Trubisky, new system, new playmakers, it's all brand new for him again, making his first start this season in Lambeau Field. Hostile environment, primetime game. What does he need to do in order to have what you're going to call a successful game? Well, I think what you're going to see out of the gate is a lot of timing throws, a lot of things to get him into a rhythm. So that's going to be a little bit of run and pass. Uh, I, really, I really think that you're going to have a very strong script for about your first 10 plays, which, you know, as long as you're able to execute the majority of those plays, I mean, you're going to have a nice 10 plays to get you into rhythm. Um, I think that's going to be really key for Trubisky is kind of getting his feet, uh, feet wet uh, without having to, you know, make a lot of, you know, deep reads and timing uh, and, and timing up, you know, really long throws and deep progressions. I think it's going to be a lot of three-step, that third-step hits, that ball is out, whether that's to, you know, Trey Burton on an out route, whether that's to uh, Anthony Miller on a slant. I think you're going to see a whole lot of timing throws to start out. I really expect an efficient first drive uh, for the Bears. And then you're going to kind of see a lot of the stuff that Nick and Brandon have mentioned, whether that's going to be a lot of RPO or whether it's going to be a lot of, you know, out there formations. I really think, though, to start the game, you're going to have a lot of uh, timing throws and a lot of things to get Trubisky in a rhythm early on. So you might see a little bit of vanilla stuff. Don't panic. I think the, others, I think the other deep uh, parts of the playbook are going to come out. But first, it's all about getting Trubisky in a rhythm. Now, obviously, one thing that's going to dictate whether or not Trubisky actually has a successful game is going to be the protection from the guys up front. In the last game, he was sacked five times against the Packers, three of which came from Nick Perry, which was half of his sack total for the entire season. So obviously he's someone who the Bears are going to be paying attention to. But they also have Mike Daniels, who had six sacks a year ago, Kenny Clark, who had five sacks, Muhammad Wilkerson, who's brand new, he had three, and Clay Matthews had ten. So obviously all of them are going to be vying to get after Trubisky. Uh, now, so I want to know, out of all those guys, who are you projecting will give the Bears' offensive line the most fits? And also, I want to know, what's your overall confidence level in this unit in terms of keeping Trubisky relatively clean 
uh, throughout. And of course, you know, limiting hurries, which too is going to affect those timing throws, those plays that you were just talking about, Will. And Nick, I'm going to go to you first. You know, the guy that I need Bears fans to watch out for is Kenny Clark. He's a guy, you know, former first-round pick from UCLA. Um, like Will said, had five and a half, five sacks last season. Really good with his hands, high motor, uh, plays with really good pad levels. Just watching the film on him last night. This is a guy that, again, is going to come through the middle of the defense, going to be battling those interior guys for the Bears. So if they get pressure up the middle, that's just going to you know, ha cause havoc for Mitch Trubisky's day, have to get out of the pocket. So Kenny Clark's a guy that the Bears really need to watch out for. Okay, B, Mr. Trenches, over to you. Uh, what kind of matchups are you watching down there up front? Uh, first of all, I'm going to be watching Eric Cush. He was someone that kind of came out slow throughout the uh, entirety of the preseason and training camp a little bit too. How does he come out of the gate? Because that's really going to determine a lot of things, how well the Bears can be able to run the ball, how long is Trubisky going to be able to have. And he's got to be able to know when to call his own number, going back to Mitch a little bit there uh, as far as awareness goes. Um, but I, Eric Cush is going to be one key on the offensive line that I think that we have to really watch out for. Is really going to set the tone for the offensive line. What about you, Will? Anything like to add here? Definitely. I think a guy that a lot of uh, Bears fans aren't really aware about is Muhammad Wilkerson. Uh, he's kind of been in that shroud of the New York Jets, uh, which don't get a lot of publicity, and reasonably so. They've been a dumpster fire for about the last 10 years. But, uh, you know, he's kind of a guy who pops up in that Pro Bowl discussion, all that All-Pro, you know, the NFL does their top 100 players of uh, the year. And he's always on that list. It's kind of like, oh, cool, he's a good player. No, you, you got to watch him. This dude... If J.J. Watt wasn't a thing, he'd be J.J. Watt. He has that ability to line up anywhere on the defensive line. He's a very disruptive pass rusher. He has a combination of power and speed, and he's 315 pounds. You're not supposed to move like that when you're 315 pounds. It's not quite fair. So I expect him to be a guy who's going uh, to – there was a phrase that my high school linebacker coach had. He's like, we're going to find your, your putt, and we're going to stick our stud in it. So I think that's going to be a phrase uh, – that's going to be something that uh, – the Packers are going to be trying to do with Muhammad Wilkerson throughout the game. So whether that's Eric Cush is having a struggling game or whether it's Bobby Massey is giving up some pressures, I think that is going to be uh, the guy to watch because uh, he's the person that the Bears really don't have a whole lot of info on, especially how he fits into this Mike Pettin defensive coordinator scheme. Uh, he's my X Factor and the guy to watch uh, on the Packers defense. I want to add something, too, about this Packers uh, pass rush. Will, you listed off all their, their sack numbers, and it's a pretty even distribution, so I think it's going to be a, a community effort amongst those guys. I don't think there's going to be just one guy that we have to watch out for because Kenny Clark, Muhammad Wilkerson, Clay Matthews, we can throw him in there. All going to be different guys that are going to be sending pressure to, to Mitch Trubisky, but Mike Pettin, he's consistently got defenses in the top ten, and he's going to figure out some sort of way to put some stunt moves in there, and it's not just going to be one guy that gets after the quarterback in this one. It's going to be a big community effort on them, I think. Exactly, which when you think about it, you know, we all kind of throughout the preseason uh, with the James Daniel situation, you know, put him up in center. And, of course, in terms of blocking, I think he can hold his own. But can he recognize all the things that Green Bay was going to throw at him week one? You know, in hindsight, maybe not. Maybe that's why he's still kind of like waiting in the wings here, much to, uh, you know, Nick's, what, displeasure? Yeah, you want to, yeah. He's an Iowa alum, for those of you who don't know. But uh, let's go ahead and look at Trubisky's targets in the passing game, which, again, uh, is completely new from a year ago besides his running backs, a couple backup tight ends, and, well, Josh Bellamy. Uh, so it's debut time for guys like Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, all guys that I know we're all excited about, and I know you Bears fans, too, are very excited about seeing get unveiled in this offense. So it's going to be intriguing, don't forget, intriguing about how Kevin White's going to be used as well. Uh, fullback? Oh, we'll see. But uh, I just want to know. I just went through everyone who was just listed, and I think they're all going to be very important to the success of this offense. But I want to know out of those guys, who do you think is the most important piece of the puzzle here and why? And let's go to Brandon. 
We're going to see like this offense spread out across the field throughout the entirety of the game. So one guy I'm going to keep an eye on is Taylor Gabriel. His speed, he's going to be able to take the top off a of defense, and they have to be able to respect that. So whether that's sending safety help over the top and the cornerback trailing him, that's going to open up routes underneath. It's going to open up some intermediate routes because the safety is going to be going downfield. And we also could see him on the underneath routes. We've seen it throughout uh, preseason and training camp from time to time. He'd run these underneath routes and pick up. 15, 20 yards at a time just because he's quick enough and can outrun everybody. So Taylor Gabriel is a guy that I'm going to be watching out for in this offense. Gabriel from B. Let's go over to Will here. I want to know, uh, out of all these, you know, I'm going to call them weapons because they truly are weapons for this offense. I, I believe they're going to try to, you know, spread the wealth a little bit, which, of course, is beneficial for numerous reasons. But out of these guys, who do you think is the most vital to the success of not just the offense but also Trubisky? I think it's going to end up being Trey Burton at the end of the day. It's really important for, uh, really important uh, that he comes out and be, is that uh, versatile weapon that uh, that the Bears really need him to be, and that's the versatile weapon that they paid him to be as well. Uh, he's really uh, able to line up anywhere in the backfield, really able to line up even outside and split outside, and able to run every single route in the book. He's someone who uh, I think has really uh, tried to create a chemistry with Mr. Trubisky throughout camp in the off season, and it's going to be go time uh, come Sunday night because they're going to need him to be that versatile weapon and that security blanket that uh, Trubisky's needed for a long time. Well, 12 starts. Not a long time. <laughs> long time for Bears fans. Fair, fair. All right, so, uh, Nick, I saw you again shaking your head. Uh, Will's still peeking over at those notes. notes. Apparently he can't see his notes. I disagree. But uh, So do you have anything else about Trey Burton that you want to add? No, uh, you know, I actually had a plan B just in case that was taken. But uh, Trey Burton was my first. I'm going to go with Jordan Howard. Again, if the Bears are able to run the ball, that means Aaron Rodgers is not on the field. And come out, you know, when the game, like I said, I expect the Bears to go up first in this game. To close out a game, you need to be able to run the ball effectively and just run out that clock. So Jordan Howard is going to be a key guy in this game because, again, I think they're going to be up early on in this game. You run effectively, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. And Jordan Howard has been the bell cow for this, for this offense for two years now. And he's done it with eight-man fronts. Now let's see what's going to happen when they're not going to be throwing that this time around on Sunday night. Wow, I'm going to call you Brandon for that spoiler. Since we're talking about passing targets, let's talk about Jordan Howard real quick, Nick, in terms of what you expect from him uh, as receiver, something that he's worked very hard on throughout the offseason. I think we saw some improvement in training camp. They didn't really show too much in, a, in the preseason games, but I believe Jordan Howard is going to be an improved receiver. How important is that going to be to this offense? Oh, of course. It adds another dimension because Jordan Howard, you couldn't really rely on him the past couple seasons just because those hands, again, um, but th we did see him work on that in training camp, and it looks like it's going to play dividends, hopefully, on Sunday night. But it, again, expands this offense and what they're able to do because Matt Nagy's offense really relies on a running back that can be able to catch the ball. He can't be one-dimensional, has to be a versatile back. So Jordan Howard being able to catch, another dimension for the offense. All right, so looking at some specific matchups here, you know, defenders versus the Bears target. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep, all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I want to know, do you have any in mind that you maybe find favorable? not so favorable and why and I just want to share mine real quick I have one that I believe the Bears can exploit and it's going to be Allen Robinson versus Kevin King because Kevin King he was a rookie last year and again uh, with another with an offseason under his belt he should be improved but he was so bad that I believe the Bears can find a way to get it done and I really like this matchup 
uh, just in terms of maybe not a way for the Bears to win it, but just because they're both big guys. Robson 6-3, King 6-2. So for me, it's one I think the Bears can win, but it's a very intriguing battle to watch along the outside all game long. What about you, Brandon? Do you have any specific matchups that you would like to throw, to, uh, throw onto the table here? I, I'm interested to see who lines up in the slot for the Packers uh, because I don't see one listed on their depth chart as far as who that slot guy is going to be. So it's going to be a real interesting matchup if it's Jair Alexander or if it's going to be Josh Jackson. Uh, who, who's going to be able to match up with the speedy guy, uh, Taylor Gabriel? Or even if we see Tariq Cohen out there or Kevin White, whoever ends up in the slot, it could even be Allen Robinson from time to time. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see who ends up there because I think that's a matchup that the Bears can exploit. Even Trey Burton, I'll throw him in there as well. What about you, Nick? I have to go with uh, Trey Burton on any linebacker that the Packers have, and they are depleted at inside linebacker. Trey Burton's a great route runner, and whoever's maybe coming in to guard him, that's a matchup that the Bears need to exploit. And also Taylor Gabriel uh, over Tremont Williams, he's 35 years old. There's no way Tremont Williams is keeping up with a speedster like Gabriel. So those are two matchups that Bears fans should definitely watch out for. All right, well, I saved you for last for obvious reasons at this point. So uh, any other matchups that you are uh, kind of circling here? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Taylor Gabriel as well, but I'm actually going to go with him against HaHa Clinton-Dix. Um, he had a really off year, HaHa Clinton-Dix, last season. Um, he had a very strong start to his career, but last season he was really off, was not that ball hawk, was not nearly as uh, sound in his coverage as he used to be. I'd really love to touch, uh, test that you know, with the first play. Nagy's had a tendency to go deep with his first play. I'd really love to see uh, Taylor Gabriel see if uh, HaHa Clinton-Dix has figured it out over the offseason. I'd really like to prove that to be a no on the first play of the game. So... That's my matchup I'm going to look for. All right, guys. It's time to officially uh, kind of transition here over to the Bears' ground game, which is something that we didn't see a lot of in training camp. We didn't see a lot of in preseason. Uh, Jordan Howard, he's entering his third season after back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons to start his Bears' career. And again, he didn't get a lot of work in the preseason, but the coaching staff has really talked him up. Uh, even Coach Nagy has really you know, displayed confidence in his running back, saying that he is going to be that three-down feature back but in the two games against the Packers a year ago he only averaged 53.5 yards per game on the ground but I think with a new system that should limit the amount of defenders in the box uh, he should which opens things up he should really kind of be able to bust through that kind of brick wall that he was having a hard time going through last year Um, but Green Bay looking at their overall stats they were uh, in the middle of the pack they gave up on average 112 yards on the ground per game of course their best games come against the Bears seems like that's what they tend to do but Nick Nick you mentioned it they're thin at linebacker so I don't know with all these variables what kind of game do you expect out of Jordan Howard and why and Nick I just mentioned you so I'm just gonna stick with you might as well go to me but I expect a a big game and an effective one at that and a big part why is Matt Nagy and these RPOs these linebackers are gonna be asked to really stay disciplined in their assignments because you mess up one way just thinking that a handoff went to one guy when action went the other way it's going to be huge and Jordan Howard's going to benefit from that and you mentioned it not having to play against eight-man fronts and having a stack box which we knew just on television watching John Fox running the ball next play they're running a ball we have no idea what Matt Nagy's going to bring in this game near to the Packers so Having that element of surprise and then having established back in Jordan Howard going against, you know, this Packers front, I think you can expect a really big game out of him. What about you, Brandon? Uh, Anything you're expecting out of Jordan Howard? And maybe more importantly, Tariq Cohen, he never took a handoff uh, in a preseason game, a rare, seldom few throughout training camp practices. Do you expect to see him actually utilize as a running back as well? 
I'll touch on Jordan Howard real fast. If I was a betting man, but I'm not, uh, I would take the over on the average that you listed with the 53.5 yards per game because we've already touched on it. Schematically, he's just set up to have a better year, and he was one of the better running running backs out of the shotgun last year. That was kind of weird to say, uh, running running backs. Anyway, he was, he was just set up, to have a, he's set up to have a really good year schematically, one of the best running backs to run out of the shotgun. I, I really like his chances to be able to uh, improve that average. As far as Tariq Cohen, boy, I just really don't know. I mean, we, haven't, we know that he's capable of running between the tackles. We know he's capable of bouncing it outside. How much are we going to see him run the ball? How much are we going to see him line up at receiver? I expect to see a lot of bubble screens, a lot of screens out of the backfield. Uh, he'll line up his receiver, and I think he could run the go routes effectively and be able to take you know, one of those secondary guys we talked about in matchups earlier. So, I mean, just really a wild card that we really don't know, and Matt Nagy's done a great job of keeping him uh, hidden from teams. Yeah, uh, Tariq Cohen. Like Brandon said, utter mystery at this point. But Will, do you maybe uh, can you shed some light on what, how you would maybe best utilize Tariq Cohen against Green Bay? I definitely start with him going on the outside. And a really interesting thing uh, when looking at this, yes, it's going to be a completely different ball game when we're talking about the offense uh, from John Fox to Matt Nagy. However, I still think that the Packers' main focus is going to be stopping the run coming out the gate. Mr. Bisky has not proven he can take over in game and beat anybody to this point. If I'm the Packers, I'm making sure that uh, he's the guy who needs to beat me in this game and not have Jordan Howard let him get into a rhythm. So I think early on, I'm kind of straying away from running between the tackles. I'm going to be creative uh, if I am running between the tackles. Like we've already mentioned, a lot of RPO motion, jet sweep motion, make that, make that front shift and adjust to uh, the things that the offense is doing pre-snap, and then you start to take advantage. Um, it's not going to be uh, a typical... Uh, you know, run for run first, try to get Trubisky some rhythm, try to get some first downs, try to get the clock moving. I think you need to wait before you really unleash that Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen rushing plan. You need to go outside first. You need to establish some offense outside so that Green Bay has to respect both. All right, guys, so I want to look at some conversions for this Bears offense. Last year, they were 26th in the NFL on third down. And coincidentally, uh, they were uh, dead last in the league in the red zone uh, in terms of red zone trips per game. They only managed 2.1 trips. In the, uh, in the red zone per game. Obviously, it's a big reason why they were like the, one of the lowest scoring teams a year ago. But, I mean, I mean, we talked about all the newness on this offense. I think it's fair to say we can't judge this offense, especially heading into week one, off of anything that uh, last year's offense did. So I just want to point those stats as areas that we need to see drastic improvement from this offense, not just week one, but throughout the entirety of the season. But, guys, I want to open this up to everybody here. Um, anything you want to add about the Bears' offense on third down or maybe reaching the red zone, some keys to success in those kind of categories? Because I think it's self-explanatory to explain you know, why they're so important, to you know, extend drives, win time of possession. Of course, you want to put up touchdowns once you reach, uh, once you, you know, pass the 20, uh, not settle for field goals. But uh, does anyone have anything you want to add about you know, either third downs or red zone? You know, I'll say this. I think when you get in the red zone, this is where you can get a little creative because if you get vanilla and just throw run maybe standard pass sets, that usually doesn't work. This is where you have a limited amount of space to get into, obviously, the end zone. So I want to see some creativity from Matt Nagy when he gets there, and he definitely has that. So this offense that we didn't really get to see in preseason, even in training camp, bring that out, especially in the red zone because, obviously, you want to come away with points, touchdowns preferably. So this is where you can get creative. Anybody else? I think you're reaching for the mic. That would be that would be a yes. Uh, and since Nick spoke, I don't feel uh, worried about taking anything he was going to say. So <laughs> for me, um, especially on third down, especially in third and short situations, I'm expecting a lot out of that fullback and H-back position. So whether they're putting Michael Burton into the game or whether they're going to have Deion Sims line up in an H-back spot, that's going to be either, you know, whether it's a fullback dive or whether that's, you know, some motion to the outside 
you know, I really expect uh, Nagy to really play with that kind of H-back, fullback motion because that's not something you see in the NFL much anymore. That's not something you prep for. So I really think that's going to be a way that Nagy's going to uh, kind of uh, catch the Packers off guard on third down and, like you said, potentially some red zone situations. All right, guys, it's time to find out who is going to be each of our X-Factors on offense heading into tomorrow night, Sunday night game against the Green Bay Packers. And Nick's already hiding his notes. But, Nick, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to go with Jordan Howard. I already mentioned it. Um, the Bears want to have success in this one. They're going to have to have run the ball effectively. And it's those little short yardage situation, two to three yards where you need to grind it out, have a good running back to be able to get that first down. Jordan Howard's going to be key in this one. Again, I've already mentioned it. Keep Rodgers off the field. Have those long 12, 15-play drives that just take up time. And that's going to be key in this one. So Jordan Howard's going to be the guy that is going to be the X Factor. What about you, B? Since we went the whole offensive segment and didn't mention Anthony Miller's name, I guess I better do it now. I think he's going to be X Factor in this sure. one. He's, I don't think he's necessarily going to get a whole lot of touches, but we know that he's the, the big play guy. He has that it factor to be able to do it. And I think when the game's on the line, I think Trubisky feels absolutely comfortable being able to throw to him in, in red zone situations or third long situations. I think that Anthony Miller's going to play a bigger part even if he doesn't have as many touches as everyone else. And Will's reaching for the mic, but he's going last. So I'm going to give you my X factor. I'm going to give uh, Trey Burton, someone that we've already talked about. He's going to be one of Mitchell Trubisky's main targets. He said uh, earlier this week his favorite receivers, whoever's coming down with the football, I expect Trey Burton to come down with the football a plenty, not just this week, but all year long. Uh, they were building chemistry throughout training camp. We saw it kind of click in that uh, third preseason game uh, between those two. I mean, he was just targeting you know, Burton time in and time out. And, Nick, you mentioned they are vulnerable in the middle of the field, and that's exactly where Trey Burton can do his damage. So, for me, if, uh, he could, if, True can become, I mean, if Trey can become True's uh, security blanket in the middle of the field, I believe uh, he's going to really keep this offense humming along, especially if he's going to be able to come down with some big third-down conversions, some big-time catches on third down to move the sticks, sustain some drives. And if he's not the guy to do it, I don't know who is the guy right now in this offense to be uh, that kind of X-factor. Uh, for lack of a better term here. So for me, for all these reasons, I'm going to give it to Trey Burton because I believe he's going to be the security blanket, the go-to guy, and especially the guy to move the sticks on third down. Will, here you go. I made sure to go off the wall with this one because I, I felt really bad. Um, so uh, I'm going to go with Eric Cush here as my X Factor. You have to, your team is only as strong as your weakest link, and I think that it's not much to say that he is the weakest link on this offense right now. Out of those 11 guys, Eric Cush is the person I have the least amount of confidence in, especially after a rough uh, training camp and preseason. You could say Cody Whitehair was struggling with snaps a little bit, but if Eric Cush comes to play, I really think that front five of the Bears is going to be is going to be ready to blow Green Bay off the ball and also pass pro well. So Eric Cush is my guy because you got to be as strong as your weakest link. All right, guys, so just like I did for the defense, it's time to open things up and give you an opportunity to kind of bring anything else that you find pertinent and worth bringing to the table in regards of the Bears' offense this time. I think I saw B leaning towards the mic. No? Well, I thought I was, and then I couldn't come up with anything. But I, overall, I mean, just for this offense, I mean, aggressiveness, I really expect them to be a lot, lot more aggressive than we've seen in years past, obviously. That's how I started the segment. Uh, but there's just – you talked about weapons when we moved into this segment. And the more we think about it, we didn't even bring up Anthony Miller until he was my X-Factor. That's just yet another weapon. We didn't bring up Kevin White much. He's built some confidence throughout this, this preseason training camp. I'd be interested to see what he's going to do, uh, if anything, if he can stay healthy. But uh, regardless, I, there, there's a lot of guys out here for Trubisky, and I hope that they, he's able to build this continuity uh, throughout the offseason. All right, Nick, I'm going to go over to you. 
Uh, we mentioned that earlier, run-pass option, RPOs are going to be really big in this game. Again, these linebackers have a lot of responsibilities, and they're depleted at that position. You have a rookie starting for the Packers' uh, inside linebacker position right now, and having to guard against you know multiple formations, multiple motions, RPOs are going to be huge in this one, and we've got to see how the Packers adjust to it. And again, the Bears haven't showed much of it, so this is going to be the first time they're seeing it, first time we're all seeing it. So wa watch how the RPO affects this Packers' defense. All right, well, over to you. What, are you afraid I'm going to steal something or another? Um, for me, it's going to be wondering how much uh, Adam Shaheen's absence in this game is going to be affecting the overall pl uh, play of the offense. I think Deion Sims is someone who I, uh, I pumped up a little bit in our tight end show. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see because Matt Nagy likes to run a lot of tight end looks, you know, and I don't think it's going to be a rarity for, to see two tight ends on the field. Not in the way that John Fox did it where we're going to groan every time we see it. But it's going to be creative, and we're going to see a lot of interesting things with, with these tight ends because they're so versatile, and they're honestly some of the best athletes on the field when you think about it at the end of the day. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how Deion Sims fits in with this. He's a guy who really can get lost in the shuffle, and he's a guy who's shown that he's capable of making really big plays. We're going to see if uh, Matt Nagy puts him in the spot and puts him in the spotlight come Sunday night. Now, don't feel bad. You're not the only Will on this podcast, and you're not the only Will kind of you know, piggybacking some of what things of uh, what other people said, because I'm actually going to take something that uh, Trubisky said earlier on this week, and he said one of his keys for this game is going to be, quote, positive drive starts, which, of course, are imperative. And I'm going to listen to my quarterback here because, I mean, he's so right, because if the Bears get behind the sticks, if they start drives going backwards, either be you know, a false start in Lambeau in a loud environment, a holding penalty, which just kills drives, um, a missed assignment that leads to an easy sack, just silly mistakes that kind of, you know, those shoot yourself in the foot moments that, you know, for Chicago, we've seen uh, under the John Fox era, the Mark Trestman era. I mean, we've seen it. And we've seen what it can do to an offense. If the Bears find a way to get behind the six early in drives, it's going to be exponentially more difficult for them to, you know, recover from those mistakes, sustain some drives, march down the field and put up points. But if they start drives positively, can, you know, get a couple first downs, get some momentum, put the Packers defense on their heels just a little bit, it's going to make their job much easier uh, as the what we've been kind of saying here throughout the offseason and what Coach Nagy has said, he wants to dictate what's going on. He wants to dictate the pace, make the defense react to them. But if you're going backwards, that's pretty much impossible. So positive drive starts is going to be huge for this game. All right, guys, it's time to find out who has the edge. And Brandon, you're up first. You have the Bears offensive line versus the Packers pass rush. This one's pretty close in my opinion because we talked about how evenly distributed the Packers sacks were last year as far as the whole year went. So I don't think there's really going to be one guy that we really have to watch out for. I am giving the edge to the Bears offensive line. I think it, it is going to be a little sloppy to come out because uh, like uh, Will's X-Factor, Eric Cush, I think he's going to be one guy that really sets the tone as much as I'd love to say it's going to be Kyle Long with his, his attitude and his go-get-him mentality. Uh, you're just as strong as your weakest link. So Eric Cush has to come out, play a strong game, and I think that he does early on. And they're gonna, that's why I'm giving the Bears offensive line the edge here. All right, well, over to you. I'm giving you the Bears running game versus, of course, the Packers run defense. On paper, it's got to be the Bears' uh, run game. Uh, I think they just have established more talent. I think this offense is going to spread them out a lot more. But in practice, I have yet to see the Bears' offense do what it should in the run game for the last few last few times. And of course, a lot of that has to do with John Fox. We kind of beat the we kind of beat a dead horse on that throughout this entire show. But uh, in practice, I'm not I'm not convinced that they can do it until I see it happen. I think the last time the Bears successfully ran the ball throughout the entire game, I want to say, was the season opener in 2015. Matt Forte had a really good game, and I really don't think the Bears have carried over that success to any other uh, occasion, to be quite honest. So uh, do I, I won't believe it until I see it, but on paper, I really like this matchup. So I am still going to give it to Chicago here. 
You know, the best part about this game, besides, of course, it being football's back, the Bears are back, the new era has begun, but once that game's over, we don't have to look back to last year to kind of draw some of these talking points up. We don't have to mention, you know, Fox's name. There's another name in this podcast that shall not be mentioned. What? I won't mention him. Okay. He was the OC last year. Uh, you, can, you can figure that one out. But, no, honestly, though, for real, once we get this game started, we can start judging Matt Nagy's Bears, and we can kind of build some formulations, some conversations off that. So I'm excited about that personally. But, uh, Nick, I know you're eager to get into it. Bears passing attack versus the Packers secondary. Who has the edge? I'm going to give it to the Bears passing attack. So a clean sweep up here. Um, you know, you have Tremont Williams. Yeah, get your brooms out. Tremont Williams, Kevin King was dealing with injury, their other cornerback. Ha, Clint Dix did not have a good year last year. And then you have Kentrell Bryce as the other safety and Jair, Jair Alexander in the slot. I'll take Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, even a Kevin White. We haven't mentioned him a lot on here. And Trey Burton. I think the weapons that, you know, Nagy, Ryan Pace brought in to this Bears system, they're, they're bound to do some damage in this one. And, again, the Packers secondary wasn't a very strong unit for them. It was really weak last year. So I'm going to give it to the Bears passing attack. All right. So that's going to do it for our offensive preview and our defensive preview. So the only thing we have to do now is hand over some predictions. We're going to give our bold prediction. Our choice for the MVP, which for those of you who maybe don't know much about our show, uh, every, every, after every game we have a post-game show, and one of our first segments in each game we hand out an MVP award, the most viable bear. So I'd like to predict that. And, of course, before it's all said and done, we're going to tell you who we believe is going to win this game, and then we'll open it up for some questions for everybody here. But, guys, it's time to hand out your bold predictions. And, B, you better go bold. Oh, I'm going bold. My bold prediction for this one is Tariq Cohen is going to have more than 325 all-purpose yards in this game. We got some, we got some applause for that one. You said bold. I made sure I was going to go bold for the live show. You probably wrote 225. Like, okay, I'm just going to add an extra 100 on the spot. <laughs> Holy moly. All right. Uh, I don't even know how to even process that. But, uh, I mean, if that happens, the Bears win the game. There's just no, no, no other way around it. But, uh, Nick, I want you to go bold, but let's not go crazy. Yeah, so I'm going to have Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, and the mix. Each have a sack and, you know, up the, the boldness, I guess. Leonard Floyd picks up a fumble with one hand because he has a club. I like it. I like it. Clever. Uh, Will, I'm going to go over to you. What's your bold prediction? Well, actually, to flip the script, Nick kind of took something I was going for, but it actually wasn't completely that way because my bold prediction is Khalil Mack scores a touchdown in his first game as a bear, whether that's a pick, whether that's off a deflection, or whether that's picking up a fumble with two hands. Um, I got Khalil Mack scoring a touchdown in his bear's uh, debut. Awesome. And my, real quick, my bold prediction, the Bears are going to force Aaron Rodgers into two turnovers in this game, which, I mean, that's not really bold, right? But after both of those touchdowns, the Bears' offense is actually going to capitalize and put points on the board, which, if you have a 14-point swing in terms of turnovers, it's going to put the Bears in a great spot to come away with the victory. All right, guys, MVB, who's going to be the most valuable Bear for the first week of the 2018 season? Nick, I'm going to let you kick it off. So I've been talking about Jordan Howard all game, how he's going to be an X-Factor, but the MVP is going to be Trey Burton. This is a guy who has a favorable matchup in this game, who Trubisky has been a go-to target, really. So Trey Burton exploiting that Packers inside linebacker position, just getting behind them, scoring points. I, I can see two touchdowns in this one. Not a bold prediction, but Trey Burton's going to be the MVP. 
All right, let's go over to Will here. Who's going to be your MVP? Well, do I get to go second? You get to go second. All right, wow. This uh, Hopefully I don't mess this up again. My, my uh, MVP is actually going to be a little bit uh, predictable, but if the Bears win this game, I've got to give it to Mitch Trubisky. He's got to be the guy. This is the beginning of a new era, and he's got to be the person who's leading the charge. If the Bears win, it really needs to be because he's leading the offense down the field. I'm not looking for, uh, for uh, you know, like a Thanksgiving in 2015 where the Bears win 17-13, to and they don't win because they outplay the Packers. They win because the Packers play down to them. It's going to be a new era where Mr. Bisky is leading this team on offense, and they're going to put up points, and they're going to put Green Bay in the hole early on and then step on their throats as the game ends. It's got to be him if he's going to win the game. Well done. Well done. And let's go over to uh, who's left. We did Will. We did Nick. I think that leaves Brandon. I thought for sure I'd end up going last year because of my bold prediction, but uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one to Akeem Hicks. I think with Cleo Mack on the other side, it's really gonna open the door for him to really leave his mark on this game and the pass rush as well and in the running game. So I'm gonna give it to Akeem Hicks. All right, and my MVP, I'm gonna give it to Jordan Howard because with all the new attention on all the other parts of his offense and with the creative things that they're gonna be doing through the air, I think Jordan Howard is right where we want him, and that's flying under the radar. It's a good thing to hear if you're a Bears fan. And he's going to see far less eight-plus men boxes. Uh, and with his vision, his patience, and his ability to fight through contact, he's going to find ways to pick up some chunk plays, keep the clock moving, wear down that defense, and, of course, keep our defense fresh. So for all those reasons, uh, and if you can utilize Howard to that extent, uh, he's going to obviously going to be very valuable to the success of this team. And I believe with all the eyes on the new guys, uh, Howard's not going to just remind Bears fans, but the entire NFL why he's one of the best in the league, someone who was – uh, t a lot of trade rumors around him this offseason. He's going to prove his worth here in Chicago. So in the last two meetings last year combined, he had 107 rushing yards. I think he matches that Sunday night, if not improves upon it. And I think he's going to prove again how viable he can be as a receiving option, something he's worked hard in this offseason. So we're going to see a new, improved, focused Jordan Howard who's flying under the radar, who's forgotten about, and he's going to come out with a chip on his shoulder. All right, guys. This is what I've been waiting for pretty much the entire show because every year uh, we have a nice little competition between us. I always lose uh, because I usually pick the Bears and of course the record's been pretty god awful. So hopefully that changes this year. But I wanna know, uh, this is our first pregame podcast of the year. So we're all clean slates. Uh, we're all at zero zero just like our Chicago Bears. But who wins tomorrow night and, why, and what's the score? And just sum up why. And let's go to Brandon first. Yeah, there's going to be some, some week one nerves uh, with it being a rivalry game. I don't expect this to be a very well-played game throughout the first quarter, first quarter and a half-ish, so don't be discouraged if it looks a little sloppy out there early on. Uh, but I do have the Bears winning this one 23-18. 23-18. Let's go over to Nick. Uh, just like you, Brandon, I have the Bears winning this one 24-17. Like I said earlier, I think the Bears come out fast. Uh, they have those scripted plays, and I think those are going to be really well executed. So they start the game off. On with the lead, and then just let their pass rushers do what they do, get after the quarterback, pin their ears back, get Rodgers, and then we saw that in the first game of the season with the Eagles and Falcons. That's exactly what the Eagles did to win that game. They had the lead early, kept it, let their pass rushers get after Matt Ryan. I think the Bears do the exact same thing, 24-17 Bears. I like it. I like the confidence. All right, two Bears. Uh, are you going to keep the streak alive? We're going three for three right here. Um, I I digress a little bit in the story, but I have been a part of two teams uh, throughout my entire football career, my senior year in high school and then this year at Augustana College, also my senior year, where the whole entire offseason, there was just this entire dedication to winning game one. 
and it was against, uh, and when I was in high school, it was against a team that had been undefeated since they came into the conference. They'd won like 23 straight games, and there is a certain dedication that we will not leave that field until we are victorious. And there was another, uh, Augustana, we've, been, we've struggled for the last three years, and there was just this dedication that this year will be different. We will work our tails off this entire offseason to change the culture around this team. And I really feel that that is what it, the Bears have been doing this entire offseason. There's just a certain energy that you feel, and you don't really realize it until you're just about to play. And honestly, if you would have asked me a week ago, even with the Cleo Mack deal, I wouldn't have picked the Bears to win this game. But you just start to tap into this kind of energy, this dedication, and also this swagger that, the, that this Bears team is strutting all the way to Lambeau. And I think they're going to strut it right down Green Bay's throat. I got the Bears winning 27-13. 27 points. That's, that's, that's great. That would be awesome to see. Uh, for me, I have the Bears winning this one, 24 to 21. Uh, obviously, it's Cody Parkey winning this game, someone who has struggled a little bit throughout this preseason. He's missed three field goals, uh, but I think that's a way to you know, build some confidence heading into the entirety of this season. So Cody Parkey's going to win for the Bears. But guys, you hit every single reason why this Bears should win this game. You have swagger. You have a pass rush that's new and improved. And Brandon, I forgot your point, but I know it's good. <laughs> All right, so guys, that does it for our first preview podcast of the season. I'm going to stay live here, uh, here both on YouTube and, of course, with you guys here. Any questions you have from us, either about you know this game coming up or the Bears in general for this season? Trubisky. Sure, real quick, I want to recap for those who are watching live on YouTube who maybe can't hear it. We don't have our wireless mic out roaming the audience. I apologize. But he's asking, of course, uh, our road to the playoffs to get back to succeed is going to be uh, winning through this division, closing the gap between us and, of course, the Packers and presumably, of course, the Vikings who have been on the top of the NFC North here. So, guys, he asks, like, what does that look like and how do you expect it? Nick, I know you're pretty big on the entire division, so take it oh, off. Oh, yeah. So what that's going to look like is the Bears actually being competitive within their division. Last time they won a division game, 2016 Halloween night against the Vikings. So it's been some time since the Bears have even been able to compete within division. Once they start showing that they can beat these, the Vikings, the Lions, the Packers, that's when you know the Bears will be back. Because, again, the easiest way to get to the playoffs, win your division. So the big thing there, compete within the division, then the league will recognize, hey, the Bears are back. And I think they're making all the right steps to do just that. Yeah, and Khalil Mack, I think he changes the entire landscape of the NFC North, right? Matthew Stafford. Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers are sweating a little bit more now knowing that they have to face Khalil Mack twice a year. Um, but Nick, you mentioned we haven't won many you know, of these games in a division. I wish I had the stand in front of me, but a lot of these were one-score games. And you can't tell me that this defense, taking another step from last year to this year, and everything they've done in the offense, that we can't turn around a one-score game. So if that just changes it, you know, you win four of those division games, that changes the entire direction of not just this Bears you know, team in the division, but the entire landscape of the NFC. So for me, it's just going to be changing, the, of course, that one-score game because a lot of these were close. They're just on the wrong side, three points, six points. I think the Bears are improved to change that. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add about this? 
Yeah, I think what you, you mentioned a little bit that this could be a record concept as well. And, and for me, if you're really going to start improving and competing in your division, you got to at least split every single divisional series this year. I think that kind of shows what you, that moniker of what you say of closing the gap. I think that's exactly what it would be, is that they at least split each division game, whether that's taking one away and losing one at home or whether that's flipped around. I think that's going to really show the moniker that they are competing within their division quite literally and taking some of those games away. We talked about... Aaron Rodgers sweating this one out. But let's not forget about Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins as well. Uh, two other very good quarterbacks in this division that I think are looking at this and kind of going, oh, dear, we're going to learn a lot from this Green Bay game, you know, as far as what we have to do to be able to protect our quarterback from Cleo Mack. Uh, so I think he adds definitely that element. It's going to be rooted in the defense as far as getting back to the playoffs. But also with the, aggressive, Matt, the aggressiveness of Matt Nagy as well on offense. If they pick up this, uh, this offense pretty early, I think that it's really going to uh, really put some teams in stress mode. I mean, look at the Bears' defensive uh, front, like the long game, right? Eddie Goldman just resigned. You have Akeem Hicks here for a long time. Leonard Floyd, you know, I know he has some injury issues, but he's ascending. And now, of course, Cleo Mack and Roquan Smith, who, you know, he's under the radar, but that's not a bad spot. If you're if the eighth overall pick in the draft is under the radar, that's okay because it's not it's not to any fault of his own. There's just other noise around him, so he's going to be surrounded with some really good talent, which a lot of eighth round picks don't get surrounded by good talent. So if you're playing the long game. Kyle Fuller just got the extension. Mukamara has another contract. The two safeties, of course, Eddie Jackson's here for a while. Amos, of course, his contract situation will be coming up as well. But there's a core here that is very resemblant of the 2005 Bears defense that really took that, you know, that, what, five, six-year period where they just took people apart. And I think you're going to see that resurge here. And then with a new-age offense, I mean, even if the Bears are slightly more uh, competitive in the division this year, if you're projecting forward, they really stack up well. How about anyone else? Is Kevin White relevant? I think so. He's still here. I understand that he's still here because uh, they guaranteed him a lot of money. But, you know, Coach Nagy says he loves underdogs. And Kevin White, in this point of his career, is an underdog. He was, you know, seventh overall pick in the draft. He had a lot of talent. Of course, he had some bad breaks. No pun intended, honestly. I didn't mean that in any sort of the pun. But Kevin White, I think he has the talent. And uh, I think right now it's the confidence. And if he can get confident, he can be a vital part of this offense. Like, if he can be... Uh, the fourth guy, but be someone where defenses still need to worry about, that really stretches any secondary thin. So I think Kevin White's relevant. If he can pan out and have a Kyle Fuller year like what Kyle Fuller did with his contract year, I mean, that offense just goes from really good to, like, potentially great. What, what about you guys? You know what? I'm going to have to disagree here. I think Kevin White, um, just with, you know, all the injuries he's had, I didn't even have him in my notes until, like, the last page here just because Kevin White – a guy that you can't really count on right now, but you hope he does have a, a good year, contributes, but... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TemperPedic.com. Realistically, I think this is his last season, you know, as a Bear. So um, I don't think the Bears are really counting on him. Anything they can get from him this season's great, but they're not counting on him. I like the little disagreement here. Not gonna lie, it's pretty nice. I want to disagree too. I'm gonna disagree with Nick. 
<laughs> but uh, no, I think he's still relevant. I mean, you look at the game that he had against Kansas City when he scored that touchdown, that 28-yarder. He beat his corner on a really good double move. So, I mean, he, his feet are still there. His, his moves are still there. The ability to catch the ball is still there. His focus isn't always there, as we've seen in training camp from time to time. But he's not going to have a whole lot of weight on his shoulders, I don't think. So, relevant in a way, yes, he can still play, but just not going to be a big part of the offense. You know, I know Kevin White's a prideful guy, and he's someone who, you know, he's not really big in front of going in front of the media, talking in front of crowds, which course as fans it's a little frustrating you want to see that bubbly personality but he's a prideful guy and I think this is a year where he's going to want to uh, prove like hey I still got it like I mean he was really excited about being a top 10 pick he's a guy who went through you know junior college worked his way up and I think that you know it kind of sours a little bit when you have three bad breaks in a row he better have a chip on his shoulder and I want to see it happen well do you want to add anything on Kevin White you know what? Yeah, I do, and uh, I think I think the media pressure over him the last few years has been has been uh, has been debilitating in a way. When he was drafted in 2015, he was supposed to be a replacement to Brandon Marshall, and that's a lot to be put on your shoulders, even as a first round pick and a high first round pick at that. Then 2016, it's like he had a bad break his first year, but he's going to be back this year, and then something happens again. And with how bad the receiving core was in 2017, that pressure was still on him. He's going to finally have a chance for the first time in his NFL career. He's going to be able to get into a season. He's going to be able to get into a rhythm, and he won't have literally every single eyeball on the bear stands looking at him. And I think that's going to be a big impact that people aren't looking at to this point. So will his opportunities be limited at times? Yes, but I really think he's actually going to be able to zone in and focus and use that chip on his shoulder not to be, you know, combating everyone who's looking at him and, and you know, jawing at him and, uh, and criticizing him. He's going to be able to focus that in on his game, and I really think that will be beneficial in the few opportunities he gets this year. Good question. Any others? That's a really good question. Uh, for those on YouTube watching, uh, the question was, with Adam Steen going down, uh, behind Trey Burton, which tight end do we expect to step up, either be a Ben Broniker or a Deion Sims, and of course, Daniel Brown. Uh, let's go over to Brandon first, because I know you like yourself some Ben Broniker. I do like Ben Bronecker. I think he's going to get some playing time in this one. I think he got a little bit more love later in the in the preseason over Daniel Brown. Uh, but I think I don't know that I expect Deion Sims to be the one to step up, but I sure hope he does as much as we're paying him. So I, I he's going to be out there in these three these three tight end sets. I just don't know what his impact's going to be, but I do think we see some Ben Bronecker out there as well. Anybody else on tight ends? You know, I'll go with Daniel Brown here. Uh, like we said before, Matt Nagy loves to use his tight ends, and it is a big blow to not having Adam Shaheen there. But these tight ends, when they're coming onto the field with three tight end sets, they're not just there to block. They're out going to get, you know, get a pass. So Daniel Brown's a guy that has shown that he can run complex routes, run good routes, and catch the ball. So I think he's the guy that steps up in place of Adam Shaheen. Even though they don't play necessarily the same position wide tight end with the U tight end, I still think he can be utilized well in Matt Nagy's system, especially alongside Trey Burton. Now, the good thing about this question is I don't think you have like a wrong answer here. There's a reason why they kept so many tight ends on this roster. It's because they're all really good. And I think Daniel Brown's is someone, if I had to pick between the rest, I would go with as well. He's going to be that backup you know, U tight end, that move guy, lining up in the backfield, lining up in the slot. He's a former receiver in college too, so he has the route running ability. He has the hands. And, uh, depends on what you mean by impact, because of course with Shaheen, he's more of a blocker, so maybe there is like a Ben Broniker at the end of Sim, someone who can be out there and of course, you know, help set the edge and get out there and make those blocks. But uh, yeah, so it could, honestly, I think the best case scenario is a combination of everyone doing their role uh, to what they like, performing to the best of their abilities, I think would be the best way to do it, because they all have specific roles, and I think that's why they kept them on this team too. Anything you want to add? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I, I know Brandon liked to dump a little on Deion Sims right there, but I, I really am confident in him. I, I don't think last year was uh, was a good showcase of what he was, and I think a lot of that was due to John Fox's system as well. And like you mentioned, well, I'm very excited with this first game. We won't have to go back to that era anymore. But uh, I really, I really have a lot of faith in Deion Sims. Uh, when you look at a lot of his Miami film, uh, he shows that he is a very versatile guy, a really awesome red zone threat, and a plus blocker. I think he's going to be a guy who steps in, and, and I think. Uh, to a lesser extent in the passing game, but definitely in the running game. I think he's going to fill that void that Shaheen would have uh, would have taken over this year. Any other questions out there? Dicka. Oh, come closer. It's loud in here. Did you say three? Ooh, I like where this kid's head is there. That's a bold prediction. No, I like it a lot. No, you have a lot of valid points as well because they were top 10 last year. Oh, real quick, I forgot we have other people watching. So for you guys watching real quick right here, uh, the question was with all the additions on defense with on, on top of, of course, all the returning starters, can they catapult into the top three? And I think Khalil Mack uh, definitely makes a very strong case because, I mean, by himself, I mean, look what he did with the Raiders defense, pretty much with, like, no other talent around him. Anybody want to tackle that? Top three? Top three? Go ahead, Will. I'll start first. Um, actually, believe it or not, I think that the impact of that this defense will have in the biggest case that they're going to be a top three isn't in – well, I, obviously, Khalil Mack is a big deal, and obviously, Roquan Smith is a big deal, but it's the role the offense has in keeping this defense fresh. You have to understand that in a bend-and-don't-break philosophy, they didn't really have a choice but to play in that philosophy last year because they were on the field every other – like, every three plays. And I can tell you as a defensive player myself, when they yell, punt team, you know, ready, it's really demoralizing when it's only been three plays. Um, <laughs> But I really think that the, that a better offense that's better at controlling the ball will keep this defense fresh, will keep those pass rushers fresh, will keep that secondary fresh. And I think that's really where you're going to see those explosive plays, those turnovers, those things that we became so accustomed to seeing in that 2005 to 2011 stretch where that Bears defense was really restoring the monsters of the midway. And honestly, I, I, I'm with you. I think they have a real case to become a top three defense again. Yeah, it's my thing, I would counter it. I would say top five would be fantastic. Because I don't think you would complain with the top five defense either. There's just some really other good defenses out there in the league. You look at Minnesota, you just look around. I mean, it's hard to become one if because of the other guys out there. But like Will said, I think last year the Bears were near. I mean, I know they were near. I just don't know the number off the top of my head. The bottom league in terms of time of possession for the offense, which, like you said, the defense is just worn out, especially in the second half of the season. So if the defense with these playmakers can stay fresh, Especially with these young guys, yeah. I mean, the potential's there. It just, and I think Vic Fangio is the right guy to get the job done. He did a great job in San Francisco, and I think we've kind of, you know, rebuilt that here in Chicago now. It took some time, but we're here. And yeah, top three is not out of the question. I would say that would be the peak, but I think top five is actually reasonable expectations at this point. Any other questions? Sure. No, that's a really good question. Uh, the question was, you know, we talked about about uh, the Bears running game as well, but in terms of like the offensive line and the pass protection, uh, what's our confidence level in the Bears' ability to keep Trubisky clean throughout the season? And if he is under pressure, uh, what kind of, uh, how would he handle it? Because last year when he had pressure in his face, 
mixed results, right? I mean, with any rookie, you're going to have that. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to open this up to anyone here real quick. Go ahead. You know, I think it helps having a good system in place with Matt Nagy. A lot of these playmakers that they have have a lot of speed. So Trubisky's going to get the ball out quick. So that kind of, even if you have a bad offensive line, you can combat that with getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand and into the playmaker's hands. So I think that definitely helped. And the Bears have a solid front five right there, um, especially in the interior. So I am confident that what they have there at the offensive line will be able to keep Trubisky upright. But it also helps having a good system in place, which we don't know much about. But I know that they're going to get the ball out fast and into their playmakers' hands. Yeah, and I look at the guys, right? Our, our tackles are, you know, average. I mean, Leno, Leno Jr., he's fine. Massey, mixed results. Depends on the week what Massey shows up. Uh, but the interior is very strong with Kyle Long, uh, Cody White here. I mean, even Eric Cush. I mean, there's a reason why he's here, and there's, why, and there's a reason why they feel confident starting him this week. Um, and even if he struggles, you bring up James Daniels into wings, that's not a bad option either. So I think the pieces are there to keep him relatively clean. I believe compared to last year, he's going to not face nearly as much pressure because last year we didn't have anybody outside who could win a one-on-one -on -one matchup. They could just send the dogs. They didn't have to worry about any coverages. They would just tell a corner, you take that receiver, I'll take this guy, and we're good. But now with how the system's going to be in place and the actual ability of these guys, they can't do that. They have to play some zone. They have to not be able to just send, you know, send the hounds in every play. So you should see some less. And of course, if you see it less, I think when you do see it, you'll be able to kind of like, you know, maneuver a little bit more. And Trubisky's mobile, so he should be able to, if he if he does what we believe he can do, he should be definitely okay. And the one thing too that the Bears' offensive line definitely has going for them is all five of these guys have played with each other for some time now, so they know what to expect from each other. They all know what the standard is. And with the addition of Harry Heastand as well as the offensive line coach very underrated piece uh, to this coaching staff. So I think that they're going to be in, in real good shape, but Trubisky shouldn't have to worry either because he needs to be aware that at times he can use his feet to be defense as well, like Will was saying. All right, I'm going to open up to one more question because uh, we're running on about 90 minutes here. So anyone have one final question? Looks like our QB's back up. Wow, that's a great question. So for those listening real quick, uh, I'm going to let my panel think about this because it's a really strong question. Uh, he said, uh, out of all the guys besides Trubisky, because that's a given, um, what player, if they go down due to injury, and I'm knocking on wood as I'm saying this, uh, would kind of derail the entire season? Who's that important to this team? And I'm going to go to Nick because he looks deep in thought, and I love putting him on a spot. Yeah, so I think a guy that if you lose him, it, the season is just not going to be a good outlook. Is, is Trey Burton right now. Again, they're already depleted at tight end. Adam Shaheen's gone. You lose a Trey Burton, who's going to be that security blanket for Mitch Trubisky. You know, that really put the damper on the season. And again, it's a, like I said, the, the position itself, it had good depth. And now if you lose a guy like that, that really hinders what you can do as an offense because the tight end position is vital in that offense. You're not getting those three tight end sets. You can't even really do that anymore. So Trey Burton's a guy that I think if you lose him, expectations need to be lowered a little bit. No, Trey Burton's a very good one. Uh, what about you, Will? I'm going to go to you. Uh, it's going to kind of go either way here between uh, Kyle Fuller or Prince Mukamara. The Bears' depth at outside corner is really weak right now. Uh, it looks great on paper as long as someone doesn't go down, but the second someone does, who you're throwing in there, Marcus Cooper, Kevin Tolliver the second, that's where you really start to get in trouble. And I, I feel like even as Bear fans, a lot of people, when you say, well, Marcus Cooper, everyone knows that name now, and not for, not for any reason that he'd like to admit. But, you, you know, you Kevin Tolliver the second, you know, if you start elevating guys at the practice squad, it's Jonathan Mincy and uh, Michael Joseph. 
you know, those aren't guys that I want taking snaps in the season right now. So if one of those guys goes down, you start panicking real quick. I'm going to take over Brandon's spot here because he seems like he's still thinking about it, which is fair. It's a really good question. I'm going to go with the guy right behind Trubisky, and that's going to be Jordan Howard. Behind him, who's going to be your bell cow? Who's going to be your workload? Tariq Cohen can't handle all those carries. Benny Cunningham, yeah, I don't know. So what, you bring up a Mizell, you bring up a Nall from practice squad, even those aren't great options. I think if Jordan Howard has to sustain a, you know, a delayed absence, the Bears' offense is going to suffer. Now maybe with the new passing attack, they can kind of like you know, work around it, but you're not going to have that guy to chew the clock. You're not going to have that guy who can wear down a defense. So for me, I mean, I think Jordan Howard has proved his worth in terms of how valuable he is to his offense with two 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, so for me, if he goes down, I, I don't think they have anyone behind him who can kind of really take that workload. So for me, that's the big one. And beat your love. All right, since I've had plenty of time to think about this one, I'm going to say Danny Trevathan, uh, because we've seen how much the run game or the run defense for the Bears suffered when he went out. He brings that energy level, and despite bringing in Cleo Mack, bringing in all these guys that we've seen before that you know, have continuity with each other, they know what to expect of each other, just that energy level kind of drops a little bit. And the run defense is going to suffer, and that in, in turn opens up the, the rest of the offense for the, rest, for the other teams. So I think that losing Danny Trevathan is a, is a big key. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it. I want to take you all who have taken your time to, of course, travel here to watch us have this first ever live show. Usually we do it via webcam, but, you know, so this is really different. We're sharing microphones. We're looking out to an audience. It's really, really cool. And, of course, everyone here watching on YouTube to the thousands of people who are downloading this podcast around the world, uh, just a shout-out to everybody involved because we know we would not be here without support of fellow Bears fans, and we do appreciate it. But, guys, we have to do this again in the future. This is a lot of fun. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this has been amazing. Awesome. Well, all right. The next time you're going to hear from us is going to be immediately after the game tomorrow night. I live in the Eastern time zone, so it's technically going to be Monday morning, but that's okay. But until then, bear down, Chicago. personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.